when the day's over And those thoughts set in It's when I start to wonder Where do I fit in? Then you remind me That you're holding me tight You say the past is behind me And it'll be It'll be alright is sometimes the words we need to hear. Today's show is released during National Suicide Prevention Week, which holds a special place in my heart as a suicide attempt survivor. While this show isn't specifically about suicide, Weathering Rainbows often interviews individuals that have gone through suicidal thoughts or attempts, as it is very common amongst LGBTQ individuals facing a lack of acceptance within their homes or communities. Oftentimes, one of the best ways to prevent suicide is by simply letting that person realize they are not alone in their struggles and that others have navigated similar storms. No matter what you're going through, you aren't alone. Many of us have faced something similar, and I hope that these podcasts help you realize that it not only gets better, but that you are strong enough and you do have enough time and patience and courage to get through what you're going through. Whether you're weathering a storm or weathering rainbows, we are here to tell you that brighter days are ahead, and it'll be all right. Now, we want to have some fun in this show, because another way to prevent suicide is by sharing with each other some laughter and love. And we love all of you out there, And we want you to keep coming back so that you hear these wonderful stories from our guests that had the strength and courage to get through a lot of the same struggles that each of you are going through. Today we have a very special guest with us uh, that lives right here in Columbus, Ohio, and this is Kyle Cowden. He is a brand champion of Wild Turkey. He is the host of a show called Change the Subject on his Instagram, and he is actually a, uh, he's helped with the front line of the Black Lives Matter movement here. Uh, he's brought food and and beverages to the people that are out there on the front lines. So we commend him for everything he's been doing, and I'm going to let him introduce himself to the world. Hi, everybody. I'm Kyle. Um, yeah, I've been here in Columbus for the last six years. Um, over the last six years, I've done mostly food and beverage oriented things. So I've been sticking more with the cocktail programs. 
stuff like that. Um, but yeah, about a couple of years ago, I started getting into the whole wild turkey program. Um, so I've been doing that for the last three years, doing more of the marketing and branding through the whole state of Ohio. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for about 11 years and just kind of staying proactive within our community as well, within the workplace over the last couple of years. How'd you get started with bartending? Um, so when I lived in Pittsburgh, I was working for Route 21, um, actually their corporate office. Um, so I'd worked for them for about three to four years. I previously um, worked for them in West Virginia and then moved to Pittsburgh to work for their office um, and then actually got laid off. So at the time I was moving out of my apartment, trying to find somewhere to live, what was I gonna do? And then I found this really cool gastro pub in the south side of Pittsburgh called Urban Tap. And I ended up working there for about two years and just found a passion for food and beverage. And at the time I had some friends here in Columbus doing some really cool stuff with cocktails and spirits. And I thought to myself like, probably Columbus might be a better opportunity for me to kind of dive in and start learning more of that stuff since they're being kind of more progressive about it. So I came here in 2015 and I've been here since. That's awesome. So would you say you worked more for the straight bars? I get that question a lot, but it's, I mean, I would say that the place I worked at like Mouton was very gay friendly. Um, at the time I worked with a very heavy gay staff at the time, it was four gays and a girl. So, um, but other than that, I've worked at predominantly restaurants or bars that, I mean, are suitable for most people, but if you want to call them straight bars, then sure. Um, as of recently, actually last week, I just started working at AWOL, which is a gay bar here in Columbus, as you, I think you guys were talking about checking out. Yeah, as well, we'll but, be there tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. it's a fun bar. It's a fun bar. Yeah, there's a lot of great gay bars in the city, um, but this is my first time kind of journeying down the path of working at a gay bar for the first time. But it's been a fun experience, and it kind of opens your eyes to a lot more within the food. I, I, I've experienced a lot more working at a gay bar in the last six days than um, the difference in working behind like a craft cocktail bar or working more in a restaurant setting. So definitely. Yeah. So you are a brand champion of Wild Turkey, and you were that for three years. Yes. So tell us, how did you win that competition? So um, they have a program called Behind the Barrel. Uh, it invites uh, bartenders and servers from all over the US um, to come down to the distillery for three days. Um, it allows for them to go down, they get to meet the master distiller, they get to camp on grounds, they get to meet a lot of people who work within like the main corporate office for Campari America, who's the umbrella that has wild turkey in the portfolio. Um, so you get to apply for this program, you kind of fill out an essay, um, and then they kind of read through it and they pick and choose, you know, I think it's like 30 people per session. Wow. Um, so I got <laughs> to go down and be a attendee for the first year. So technically I was an attendee my first year. Um, and then what they did after that was offer a mentorship program that allowed for, I think it was 10 people who had previously gone to the program to come in. And what that was is basically being an advocate for whatever state they chose to go and promote the program, promote Wild Turkey, and get more people to sign up to go down to the program. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about your show. Um, so Change the Subject was something I actually started when I got to my third year doing the um, champion role within Wild Turkey because at that time was during the pandemic and we were trying to find other ways to kind of bring together the community kind of do small things to kind of get people talking and keep people relevant within our community talking about things. So I had talked to my boss um, from Campari and was like, hey, you know, like, what do you think about doing something like this? And she was like, I think that's a great idea. Um, and when I first started the show, my focus was talking about the food and beverage industry at that current time, just things like health insurance, mental health, financial stability, the things that we kind of used to joke mostly about, but things that were becoming much more serious over this over the last year. Um, so I wanted to talk to professionals in the industry about like what they thought and what things could change after the pandemic once we kind of reopen. And it's funny to see now since last 
I think that was May or June maybe when I started to now seeing all the changes, you know, with, you know, people wanting to get paid appropriately, people wanting health benefits, people wanting to be able to live their lives and be able to support themselves. You know, those things are, are coming to more fruition after talking about those things and people also focusing on their mental health and financial stability as well. So it's crazy to see the things we talked about then are still kind of coming to light now and absolutely that's making it happen. One of the things that I think COVID really showed was how the industry was mistreated for over several years, you know, yeah. the, the low pay, the, you know, just low tips, all those kind of things. Um, as we get back into this, what is like the number one thing that you've seen that's a difference in that? I would say that people are more coming like a camaraderie. Um, people are seeing it across the board. It's not just localized here in Columbus, but it's happening across the nation. A lot of people are saying like, you know, I know my value and worth. They're starting to realize their appreciation for self and the value of work you do. Because when you're working 60, 70 hour work weeks, sometimes in this industry, it's exhausting. And it's sometimes not financially rewarding enough or personally rewarding enough to want you to continue to stay in there. And so a lot of people have even left this industry to go take on what people want to call adult jobs. Um, which I think is just overrated because I think if you're paying taxes, it's a job. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, it's just a matter of now re reinstating and kind of rekindling exactly where we want to be in this industry, you know, because there is a passion that we have behind working behind a bar. You know, there's a sense of magic that you have whenever you get back there and you're learning these skills in this trade. But again, you know, you want to feel that those things are just as appreciated as somebody who's working a nine to five job, getting paid a high salary and great benefits and can go out on the weekends and things like that, that we don't get to enjoy. And, um, you know, so it's kind of just really reevaluating what it is that we need for ourselves when we are working in this industry and making that a staple now, making that the permanent thing that we do. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a job, you know, and it shouldn't be uh, talked down about or anything because that's like, it's not fun coming home at five in the morning every night and then having to, you know, sleep throughout the day and, and then redo yourself that night, you know, so I get it. Um, so this show is about gay culture, uh, specifically uh, kids that are coming from rural areas into the cities or, or coming out of the closet and they need the help of, you know, they don't they haven't had any visibility, really. Right. So. One thing we're gonna ask, uh, everybody always wants to know, you know, the coming out story, you yeah. know? So obviously, you know, we're gonna give the fans what they want. Yeah. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Mine was a little different. I mean, it happened in two different stages, which is kind of weird because for me, when I was growing up, I mean, I come from West Virginia. So, I mean, very conservative state, not a state LGBTQIA, mostly friendly is if, if, you know, if somebody were to say West Virginia, I wouldn't think that as a first thought, um, especially during the time I was growing up, you know, over a decade plus ago. Um, but I remember being in high school, um, at this time we actually, my family had just moved further out to the country. So we were, I actually, I was the only person switching schools. Um, cause my brothers and sisters went to that school. I went to a school downtown based off where we lived. So I made this transition to the school, very backwoods people <laughs> had not seen much other than this area. Um, but I remember going to a party with a group of friends and, um, I, a, a girlfriend that I met then was a volunteer firefighter and she had to leave so I didn't have a ride home so this kid that I never met his name was J Jamie not to put him on blast but <laughs> <laughs> um, he was like yeah I'll give you a ride home so he gave me a ride home and somebody had saw well he had already been previously rumored to be gay and at that time I hadn't even explored what that was like so rumors started going around school and things started getting very serious death threats um, wow. People were making banners saying faggot or on my, po on my um, locker and stuff like that. And um, eventually it got to a point where 
my stepbrother went home and said something to my stepdad, and my stepdad approached me and said, hey, I know something is, he didn't, he was very quaint about it, so he was like, I know there's something going on, um, I know you know what's going on, you need to talk to your mom. And at that time, my sister and I were stealing my parents' cigarettes and smoking out on the bridge. <laughs> so I was like, shit. I was like, all right, I know what this is about. I'll tell her in the morning. So in the morning, my mom approaches me in the kitchen. She's like, hey, uh, so Ted told me, you know, um, you have something to tell me. I was like, yeah, I've been stealing your cigarettes. Tosh and I are smoking out on the bridge. She goes, oh, I know. I look in the cartons. I see that they're gone. Like, I know you're taking the cigarettes. I was like, oh, well, then I don't know what I need to tell you then. She's like, I heard that you're gay. And I was like, well, I don't think I am, and I haven't really experienced that, so that's not something I can say I am because I don't think that I am. And of course, moms being moms, she thought I was just going through a face, or right. it was just a rumor. So obviously here we are years later, I'm 25 and living here, and I just, I don't know what happened. I think I went through that quarter-life crisis at 25 where I was like, I'm just going to let all my skeletons out of the closet because I don't right. give a fuck anymore. <laughs> so I went home, I think it was Christmas, and I had my mom on the porch and I was like, hey, I got to tell you something. She was like, what? I was like, I'm gay. She goes, no. And I was like, well, how do you know? And she goes, well, that situation in high school. I said, well, that wasn't a thing. She goes, well, there were other things that, you know, we could tell. And I was like, well, then do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns? And my stepdad is extremely conservative, very, very right. conservative guy. So I think I was more concerned about what he would have to say. And she was like, no. And, and um, she, she said two things that really concerned me. She said, one, I don't want you to bring anyone home that's feminine. And then wow. she, said, it's your, she said, it's your choice to be gay, and I have to accept it. Wow. So, it, I, I, I mean, personally for me, I've always just been a person who, I've always had this weird type of professional relationship with my parents. It's never been a loving, hugging, I love you type of family. They're very, they're very much so just nitty gritty about everything very right to the point they they aren't emotional people so for me it didn't affect me in a way that i feel most people are affected when they do come out to their parents or their family i think i was kind of already expecting it and i think my mentality was i don't really care what they think because right. if they don't like it i have plenty of other people in the world that support me i don't have to rely on them to take care of myself and i'm just doing it because it's making me feel better to know that's not something i'm holding on to for the rest of my life right so you would say they're accepting but they believe it is a choice that you Yes. Are going through. Yes. How do, so how does that make you feel in terms of, you know, going back home and going to those rural areas again? I think for me, I mean, especially, I mean, I'll segue kind of both, but, you know, recently as I've talked to my mom over the last couple of years, you know, she, I had just uh, had a conversation with my brother and stuff about just coming out and being gay and being the only gay person in my family, at least openly, you know, God only knows if there's anyone else gay in my family, but um, just speaking to the fact of, what it was like to grow up gay in the household and not and realizing now at my age realizing you know i was gay but i didn't really know what that was because there was nobody else gay around me there's nobody else telling me or advising me on what these feelings are or what i'm thinking um so for me i think what i realized was i had to tell my family like you don't know what it was like to grow up gay in a household full right. of straight people in a state that is full of people who are conservative in a high school full of people who did all these negative things towards me and still advocate those, th still be positive after that experience. And I think that they were blind to it because of course, when you don't go through an experience, you don't know what that's like and what that feels like. Yes. So I say that going back now, I've noticed a lot of changes. Um, I don't go back frequently, but I would say that I've noticed that, especially just with this younger generation of people who are in school now, there, it, because there is so much advocacy, there's so much on social media, 
there is so much out there in the world. There are cell phones now. I didn't have cell. I think I didn't have my first cell phone until my first year of college. Yeah. I don't think cell yeah. phones and texting <laughs> were really a big thing until I was 20, probably 20, probably 20. So you said something that I think is really interesting, and it's something I hear a lot, is that kids that grow up in these conservative homes, they don't have a word for what gay is. Right. You know, you, you never hear the term LGBT uh, really spoken of because it's something that they don't want you to become. Right. And so I always think that's really interesting how it, there, there wasn't a word for it. So you, that's the part that, to me, you really felt alone in that struggle. And you knew that there was something different about you, but you can't describe it to anybody. Um, so that's one of the main things we're doing here is providing some of that visibility so that kids know what they're actually going through. Right. Um, so yeah. what would you say are like some of your LGBTQ influencers out there uh, that kind of taught you the ropes? It's, it's very weird because it's, it, I'm still going on that journey. Right. I, I think all of us still go on that journey as you grow up. And I, I think for me, I still am because even when I came out, when I was confident enough to come out, I was 18. And amongst my friends, not my family, but I came out to 18 amongst my friends. And it, I don't know what it was for me, um, but it just was a wave of confidence and a wave of just acceptance of self um, just to be like, this is me. This is exactly who I am. And whether you appreciate it or not, I'm going to have people in my corner that will, and there are going to be people in your corner that don't. Um, I know that's a very hard lesson to learn, especially in an immediate moment. But, um, you know, once I kind of got into college and stuff, I, again, I was still in West Virginia, so that still wasn't fully happening yet. But once I moved to Pittsburgh, I started seeing drag shows, drag queens. Yes. There are gay bars, you know, there are gay bars in West Virginia, but there are gay bars that are definitely places people are going to visit. And so I didn't really start having advocacy for like people who I envisioned myself to lean after until I'll, honestly, almost the last three years. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So what advice would you give to those that are still in those rural areas, uh, may have conservative parents, you know, how, what advice would you give them to get through that? I would say to continue to explore how you feel about yourself. Um, allow for yourself to let those feelings come in and don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. I, it, it can be very difficult when you're, you know, 12 or 13 and these feelings are coming to fruition and you're starting to think like, if I come out to my family and don't accept me, where am I going to go? You know, that's, right. that's the biggest concern that happens, especially in these rural areas is families who don't accept you throw you into homes or these Christian camp things that we keep hearing right. about. And, you know, so it's hard. It's very hard. But the best thing to do is to, you know, until find advocacy, talk to your guidance counselors. That's a big thing I found in my guidance counselor was the first person that I was able to talk to. I think there are available resources online. There's, you know, the Trevor Project. There are things that you can definitely find resources online and even just have open conversations with your friends because that's, I feel, the first basis of just understanding you know, these are people that are going to be lifelong people. You know, your family could, you know, these are your chosen family. It's not your actual family because your actual family can disown you or dislike you. And that can be very hard and it can be disheartening. But, you know, your chosen family is always going to be there and accept you no matter what. You know, they, they don't care if you put makeup on or wear heels or whatever. So. So you talked a little bit about having this chosen family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we all experience. You know, there's there's blood, but there's also this. Uh, family that that each person in gay world to me teaches a, something a little different you know something a little bit different that that helps you along that what I call the rainbow trail you know your journey to becoming you know fully open and true to yourself um, 
but I, I want to turn the table here and ask, you know, was there ever a time as you were coming out that you felt, uh, you know, judged by that chosen family or, or the gay community at large? Yeah, um, I definitely feel that that's, I mean, it's still happening today. You know, a big part of our community today has, you know, subcategorized certain people in our community. You know, right. when you say twink or twonk or bear or otter or those things, you're subcategorizing those people into those things because <clears throat> honestly, we passed judgment onto people because we don't understand something. So for us to understand it, we need to make it into these things that we can e easily understand. Right. Um, so for me, you know, I, I, f you know, I think we all feel judged because we already get put into the, we're already put into a box by heteronormative people. And right. then we get put into a box by our own community. You know, you walk into a bar, I could walk into a this bar right behind us right now. <laughs> and I can walk in and be like, he is a A, B, C, and D, if you ask someone's opinion. But I've seen this transition happen, which I love, is that especially with people now coming out and identifying as so many different things, as non-binary, pansexual, gender fluid, asexual, you know, trans men, trans women, you know, now that these things are definitely coming more to light and you hear people actually identify their pronouns and identify how they choose to, you know, Absolutely. identify themselves, that judgment is starting to dwindle a little bit because it's, it's a matter of not caring. You know, I recently came out as pansexual. So something that I've realized with gay men particularly is a lot of people are at, would ask me like, well, what does pansexual mean? Right. And so, with our viewers, they they really want to know what that is because most yeah. of them don't even know what, you know, LGBT means. So can you explain that to them? Yeah. So pansexual is, you know, it is loving. Well, it's a little bit more broad than what I'm going to explain it as, but it's, it's loving all genders, you know, all forms of gender, basically. So trans right. men, trans women, men, women, it doesn't matter what your, you know, born gender is. It's loving and viewing people no matter what their, you know, gender identity is. And that for me is something I recently have discovered within myself. You know, I thought I'm gay, but you know, I think realizing, you know, where my love and passion is for people, it's, it's not about you know, what you're born as, it's who you are as a person. How did the community accept that? So like you've come out as gay, but now you've had to come out again, you know, as pansexual, like what was that transition like? I had mixed reviews. Um, a lot of people, obviously a lot of people accepted it, but right. then I had a lot of people who have asked questions. And then there's also people who have made, this is one of my biggest things I've realized recently with about pansexual um, is when people come out, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't care. Like, I don't care what your title is. Like, love whoever you want to love. I, well, I'm, and people, like, twist it back on themselves and say, well, I guess I, I'm pansexual, too. If I love all gender, it's like, it's not how that works. Right. Like, you can't say you're pansexual because you love men and women. Technically, that's bisexual. You know, you have to be able to fully accept all gender for what it is and love that no matter what that, you know, gender specification is or how they identify. It does... It, that's a totally different thing than just being like, oh, that's just a title. Right. So, right. so I think pansexual is probably one of the most beautiful, like, fluid sexualities. You know, it's like in terms of, you know, you're able to love the people that you love, whether, you know, they're of all different spectrums. So right. I, I think that's great. I'm really glad we have a pansexual on the show. You're actually our first, I do yeah. believe. So uh, thank you for telling our viewers about yeah. uh, what that means. Um, so... Is there anything that you would change about the current gay culture uh, at large? Um, I think it's acceptance. I think there's a level of acceptance that's still kind of being hidden. 
I think a lot of people come in and they pass judgment very quickly just based off your looks or monetary value or where you live or your job. And those things are still in the mix of all those things. Um, and that can be intimidating, especially for somebody new who's coming out. Then they come into it and they are immediately like coming into this whole new world of people that are basically already judging you for something that you don't even know. So I think to see that change would just be seeing people be more accepting and not judgmental and also judging people based off of what they do in their personal lives as well, you know, because rumors spread easy in our community. People, <laughs> Absolutely. People love that. <laughs> people love to spread rumors. Yeah, that is definitely true. Uh, so we're going to get into the what I call the more fun part of the show. Okay. Uh, so I ask all of my guests to tell us about a time that uh, along your rainbow journey, your okay. rainbow trail, that you got into a heap of trouble because you were either uneducated about something in gay culture or you had an experience that you just didn't expect. Can you think of any time throughout that that you've had a unique story? I was in New York City. Um, when was this? I was in Pittsburgh. I want to say 2014, somewhere on there, 25, 26. Um, I went with a group of friends. Um, it was my first time to New York, first time seeing a beach at the Hamptons. So a lot of first, um, a lot of first on this trip. So um, one night we were, I was with my group of friends, and they said, hey, you know, let's go to, uh, I, think, I think it was called Liquid Brunch at a place called Hardware. Um, so we went there, and um, at this point, I have seen drag queens, but obviously I was very intimidated by them. I was very intimidated by drag right. queens because I had no knowledge or understanding <laughs> of it. And I had a really bad experience because this particular drag queen had walked up to me and was like, are you a top or a bottom? Because oh, I would, wow. and I'm not going to get to details, to graphic details of what they said. <laughs> um, but it was extremely uncomfortable to a point where they went in and I sat outside for an hour and a half waiting for them to come out. Wow. And I then created this whole mentality and judgment in my mind that these, what, this is what all drag queens do. This is all drag queens are going to make me feel this way. They're going to act like this. And, you know, I... It, it took me a very long time to start accepting it. And as of actually recently, I started doing drag. Um, I have actually had um, one of my good friends, uh, Soy Queen. Um, she, nah, let's just call her my drag mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, was, uh, she was on the show for Change the Subject. We did a show about drag queens and nighttime performers about how they were dealing with the pandemic and making money with unemployment. Right. Um, so there has been so much more education into it. But again, you know, just kind of going back to the question you said about what is something you would like to see change is that sense of judgment and like rumors and blah, blah, blah is just, you know, if it's something you don't understand, you got to kind of put yourself in it to understand it. So right. that's, you know, on my rainbow journey, that's probably something I've experienced that I've judged. Yeah. That's uh, something I think we should talk about a little more because, you know, a lot of times your first experience with drag queens is, you know, the host standing on the stage. And I think it is important for them to, you know, use those words that you don't hear to, you know, ask you, questions like you know random members of the audience are you a top or bottom or just right. and and they're doing it for fun right but obviously sometimes it can come across very uh, abrasive to someone who's new and and not from those areas right um so in terms of that uh don't be afraid of drag queens they're your best friends absolutely <laughs> yes uh, drag queens are by far like the the most amazing people that i've ever gotten to know yeah, you know they're the, incredible an incredibly diverse group of people that just they love everybody i mean it just um but you do you do have that uh sense of, of fear i guess especially coming from a rural area you know my first experience i went to the connection night club in louisville and i went 
it was I was like hiding all night, you know, you hide in right. like the upper tiers or, you know, and all this and just to have that experience of like seeing these performers on the stage. And, you know, it was probably the third or fourth time before I was even brave enough to go tip a drag queen. But right. now it's like, shh. right. It's just another day. The, it's another <laughs> yeah. day at the office. You're just like, here you go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. that's where, you know, half my money, I feel like, goes is tipping right. drag queens at this point. But right. <laughs> well, also, I mean, not only do I identify as pansexual, but I also identify as non-binary. So non-binary obviously can mean, you know, you, you're, it's not a gender fluidity thing. It's more so that you appreciate and view the values of your masculinity, but also your femininity as well. Um, so actually recently something I've done is um, a group of friends and I, like, I've been playing more with my non-binary style um, so I went out, wore like a suit jacket and a tank top and a pair of stilettos and I love it. <laughs> I, I, pro I probably didn't feel more comfortable than honestly than I feel today wearing a cutoff and a pair of a booty shorts because I'm working at a gay bar tonight, but that is but, great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's again, you're, you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, but again, like you start to just, it's a different thing. It's a totally different situation when you start just like, when you start doing the things you're uncertain about and you just do it then it, it it's just enlightening so were you a natural walking in those stilettos or was oh it? <laughs> honey honey oh i was touring around having a good time but my feet were raw by the end of the night because you know wearing stilettos all night is not uh, absolutely kudos to anyone drag queens women anyone who wears heels because it's it's not easy it is difficult that is for sure it's not easy uh tell us about your first have you already performed as a drag queen i have yeah so Actually, tell us Tell us about that first experience. Okay, so my drag queen name is Carrie Bustubs. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, working in the industry, so Carrie Bustubs. Um, I had a good friend who was like, I talked to them, and I was like, hey, you know, the, the year prior, whenever I did the show and changed the subject, it was the first time I was ever put in drag. Um, but I was like, you know, I'd love to do it once. I'd love to just say I performed once. So I had a good friend um, who was like, yeah, I'll help you put everything together and get you set and everything else. And, um, I watched probably like videos for almost a month and bought all <laughs> this makeup, all these clothes and was like in the mirror every day, face raw, because you know, you don't know how to take all that makeup off your face. Mm -hmm. But first time I did it was actually, I, um, I was trying, I did so emotional. So on RuPaul's Drag Race, there was a, um, episode, I forget, Sasha Del Delores. She, yeah. um, took her wig off and the roses came out. I put condoms under my wig oh, and I was wow. going to do an ode to her and I get on the stage and as soon as the song starts, I go to turn around, the wig comes off and all the condoms fell all over the stage and I just oh. picked my wig back up and I just kept going. You got to keep the show going. Yep. Can't stop. <laughs> I get that. Totally. I can't have a bartender on the show without asking for your suggested cocktail. So my favorite, yeah, my favorite cocktail is a Caipirinha. So it's Brazil's number one cocktail. Uh, if you ever go to Brazil, they're always going to yeah, I mean, you could probably go to any bar and they're going to make it for you, but it's um, made with cachaça, which is basically like a rum spirit made with cane sugar. Um, and then basically how I make it is I take a whole lime, cut it in fours. You just throw it into a glass. Well, you throw it into a shaker tin with the cachaça and then you just throw in, I do brown sugar cube. You just muddle it up, you shake the shit out of it. And then you just, I call it a trash pour. You just trash pour all of it into a glass and then you just drink it. Nice. And it's so delicious and refreshing. It would be perfect for a day like today. There you but go. It's probably my favorite cocktail that I've ever had. So we have a lot of Kentucky viewers, and obviously Kentucky's a bourbon state. Right. Well, I did with wild turkey, so. Yeah. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, as far as like bourbon drinks, I mean, old fashioned, old fashioned in hands are great. Boulevardier is phenomenal. If you've never had one, that's um, you can use any bourbon. Campari, uh, which is like an Italian 
aperitif, and then uh, sweet vermouth, and it's just equal parts, and you stir it, and you serve it like a Manhattan. Or you can serve it on the rocks. I mean, you could drink it out of the way. But. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kyle, for being on the show. Yeah, we we admire fun. so much about what you're doing with, you know, the, the show you've got and the things you've done with Black Lives Matter. And uh, thank you for the recipes you've given us. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of viewers that go out and try those tonight. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you all enjoyed Kyle Condon's interview as much as I did and learned a little bit about the service industry and the lives of our uh, servers out there during the times of COVID, uh, which has obviously been very transformational on all of our lives, uh, but very specifically to uh, those in the service industry. Today I wanted to do the Sunset Clarity segment a little different, in which I wanted to tell a story about um, how the service industry employees uh, can really be heroes. Uh, so this is that segment, and I hope you enjoy it. There are a lot of questions you don't want to get asked on a first date, or any date really for that matter. However, one question in which my heart fluttered the first time I heard it came at the very end of the meal, when my waiter asked, will this check be together or separate? Now, I wasn't excited about paying the bill, nor was I excited about the potential awkwardness of, you know, being chivalrous and fighting over who gets to pay the bill. Nor was I excited that the date was over. Although I have had some awkward dates that the Flash himself could not have gotten me the check fast enough. <laughs> the reason my heart fluttered so much on that day was how little that question was asked during the beginning of my gay dating life. Today it is rare that this question is not asked regardless of the diversity or sameness of the genders at the table. Which goes to show that the rhetoric or action changes of a few can eventually catch on to the entire restaurant and service industry. But I bring this story up to show how people in our restaurant and service industries can transform the lives of LGBTQ plus youth in the beginning of their dating life. When I was asked that question... It showed me for the first time that we were being accepted as a potential gay couple. It wasn't just assumed that the person who I loved that sat across the table from me was just a friend. That waiter couldn't see how much I was crying because of the joy of acceptance on the inside that day. But his tip definitely reflected it. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to come on back now. I know we all love a little vibration, so if you are not already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And we will surprise you on occasion with a new release vibration in your pocket. But in the meantime, if you find yourself alone or crossing new horizons along the rainbow trail, and you need a friend or even a laugh to get you through those dark and stormy nights, Holler on out to us at weatheringrainbows.com where you can find shelter in the blogs, videos, and other episodes that will hopefully keep you out of a whole heap of trouble. So until next time, y'all, giddy up, be true to yourself, and make the best of life. And wherever the wild tracks may lead you, may the rainbow always touch your shoulder.